Hello, Stardate 06302021. I can read numbers tonight. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Trek. Tonight, I have taken over the bridge and I am your captain for the evening, Mariah Gossett. But with me on view screen, we have Mike Garcia, Grant Davis, Chris Rogers. Welcome, Chris. We're really excited to have you on the pod for this evening. We'll get into a little bit more about you in just a little bit. But first, introduce what we have going on this evening. We are here to celebrate Pride. Pew, 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 pew. Insert sound effects. <laughs> um, and talk about all of the fun LGBTQIA plus representation in Star Trek um, throughout the ages. Uh, we are live tonight on YouTube. So we hope you're joining us during the live stream. Uh, we did have this episode schedule a little bit earlier in the month, but, you know, schedule conflicts happen. Uh, so we are here tonight to celebrate Pride. And anyway, Pride should be an all-year celebration, so it doesn't quite matter when we do these things. Uh, we're going to talk about some of our favorite characters in Trek, plus um, some episodes, storylines. Super loose hang tonight, just talking about the characters that we've appreciated throughout the Trek franchise, as well as what some of this representation means to us. Uh, we'll also dive into some listener comments about Trek Pride, um, and we have a few listener comments. And Chris from our Patreon is here to join us as well to give us some of his insights into this wonderful community. Here I am. I'm Chris Rogers. I'm a huge Star Trek nerd, and I happen to be gay. So I'm a little bit qualified, just a little bit qualified, to talk a little bit about Star Trek and how what it means and how it message message oh my gosh meshes with the lgbtq community let's get into it <laughs> it's great to have you yeah. chris we're excited to have you um i guess Thank i'll you. go ahead and say uh, real quick if you are tuning in live over on youtube um you can drop us uh questions and comments if you want just go ahead and type pod in your comments and uh we'll be able to see that a little easier and uh, pop it on the screen um if you want to join the the live pod with us tonight, uh, just let us know in the chat. Uh, if you're a patron, you can send uh, Mike a little DM message as well over on the Patreon Slack. Uh, we'll do our best to send you an invite and uh, bring you on for part of the discussion as well. And uh, if if you happen to be listening to this late, uh, listening to the audio version of this, which does come out after we do the video, uh, do know that we do this live over on YouTube, and we do it generally Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Today's a little exception as we're doing it on Wednesday. But we would love to have you come join on the live chat because uh, we get to engage with you directly instead of you hearing us after the fact and complaining after the fact about <laughs> the silly things that I said. You can tell me what silly things I'm saying on the spot as I'm saying them, and um, you, I will promptly ignore those messages as well. <laughs> you can insult us in real time, and we'll ignore you in real time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you, you can find us and all of the different various iterations of where we are available at StarTrekPod.co. That is correct. Um, so I thought first we could just go around and talk a little bit about what... I guess representation within Star Trek means to us individually. I know not everyone uh, identifies within the LGBTQIA um, community on this podcast, but um, we appreciate your allyship and your support. Um, but I just wanted to talk about how generally representation on, on television and in things like Trek, and it's, it's gotten much, much better <laughs> over the years. Discovery, I think, is what I've always wanted Trek to be as far as representation goes for me personally. But... Um, 
I think it's so important to see different aspects of of people and identity and gender expression and sexuality on television and and in media in general because it allows you the opportunity to either see yourself or to recognize that you're like not alone in your queerness. So it's it's oftentimes you're just like, "Oh, what is this feeling I'm having that is so deep down in my core that makes me feel things that's happening on the screen." And you're <laughs> like, "Oh, perhaps I should ponder this feeling a little bit more. Um, so I've always appreciated that from, from Star Trek, you know, I, I, I've most recently gotten into watching Deep Space Nine. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about um, Dax and, and the representation on that show. But also for me too, like one of the main reasons I loved Voyager so much is there's a lot of different representations of gender expression, which I appreciated, um, you know, from hyper feminine to sort of writing that line between feminine and masculinity I think it was nice to see that representation on screen and to know that you can have that identity and find ways to express yourself and none of that is incorrect and so I I always appreciated that about the show in general growing up and um you know the concept of chosen family I also think is so strong in Star Trek like some these ships are like the ultimate example of a chosen family in some way. Um, and so I thought that was just like, you know, it might not be what they set out to do, but that's the way I'm going to take it. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's just a little bit about, you know, what I think of when I think about representation and, and pride and the queer community of Trek. But um, Chris, did you have anything you wanted to add? Well, Star Trek is a show that, Ultimately, its goal is to kind of project our greatest hopes um, about the future, and it's in doing that. It's a reflection of you know our times now, and and before Discovery and Picard, um, it wasn't hard to find subtext, or you know, or like some kind of representation that's like. I see that in myself, even though it's not quite the same thing. I see gender representation. I see um, expressions of love. Kind of like we can get into Dax later, but like this, uh, this representation of kind of a gender fluid identity, maybe. But they're all very much kind of by proxy. And now we have um, these characters on Discovery and Picard, where. Um, it's conspicuous, you know, it, it's here and it's kind of us, the fans meeting the writers in the space of acknowledging LGBTQ stories as human stories worth telling. And it's not, you know, through subtext, it's not like this big announcement of like, hey, this is a gay story. It's just, it's a human story. And finally we can say, hey, there I am. It may not be the details may not be quite right. They may not be uh, a perfect alignment of what my experience is or what your experience is, but it's there. And it's kind of just an acknowledgement that, you know, LGBTQ stories are worth projecting as our greatest hopes for the future. And I, I, you know, I love it. That's great. <laughs> yeah. It's a, that nod where you're just like, oh, we do exist in the future, right? Like, yeah. My community. We're there. It's not just a hint or like a little a little spice here and there. It's it's there in you know its fullest form. I love hearing this from you, Chris and Mariah. Um, I I guess I've been a close friend and ally to the 
LGBTQ folks I know since since I was a kid in junior high, which is also when I started watching Star Trek. And I guess from that ally perspective, I've been able to certainly sympathize and relate to the struggles of my queer friends and family members on a certain level, kind of with the personal and cultural struggles that I've been through in my life. But I guess I'm just privileged to say that through the the queer folks I grew up with and am close to, I feel like I'm part of the queer community as an ally, like a, a, a small part. I certainly would never speak for the community or anything like that, but like I have their backs, right? And I love that now, especially with Discovery, which is what inspired us to start this show. Star Trek is presenting characters and stories that relate the LGBTQ experience to viewers in such a profound way, especially with the relationship between Stamets and Colbert and now their kids, Adira and Gray. I think and all of the queer characters on Disco are explicitly LGBTQ in Discovery. They're not like queer through metaphor right. um, like we had in Star Trek of the past. And and like just to echo what you're saying, Chris, these characters are are major parts of the show. And that's how it should be because in real life, queerness does not exist in a little corner, right? It's everywhere. It's in the world. It's in your town. It's at your job. It's in your neighborhood. We're For many, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. For many it's people, inevitable. it's in your home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like Discovery acknowledges that, you know, and with these characters and these storylines, like just being there and existing and doing their jobs on the ship. Um, I think it's, from my perspective, it's wonderful representation. And yeah, in the past, there's been some problematic maybe representation, but there's also been, I think, maybe more good than bad in terms of how um, the fans that I know um, have appreciated it. And in different ways, I've appreciated the maybe, I guess you could say, coded queer characters on the show and things like that. But we'll get into a, to that in a little bit. Uh, for, for my part, obviously, anyone who's listened to this podcast long enough knows that my introduction to the show was through Discovery. Uh, I don't really have a lot of familiarity with the backlog of of what Trek is. Um, so, you know, I came into this a- experiencing a show that um, much more easily embraces um, uh, queer characters. You know, we we have we have um, Stamets and Colbert in, in a, a healthy relationship that isn't that isn't a oh look this is us having um, you know quirky gay characters on the side it's it's just accepted that this is part of the the crew and part of the family and it isn't um, it isn't presented as as novelty as we've seen in in decades of shows you know in the past um, and, and then going back and kind of checking out some of the the progression of of shows that i've seen you know tng and um voyager and i i'm trying to remember the names of the other shows <laughs> that exist in the joint world but uh you know I, I i see this this progression of of how the show has has made attempts to be more um open and, and integrating of of different characters and it, it's a it's a necessary product of 
an exploration mission to embrace cultures that aren't your own, you know? Um, and I, I'm glad that I entered where I did with discovery and I see how, how easy and effortless and how it is just love that is embraced in this show. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy with how that continues to be uh, explored with all the newer iterations of, of Trek that I've, I've been introduced to thus far. Yeah. It's um, it's, I, I thought we'd go in chronological order tonight because it is sort of this like hints, hints, right. It's yeah. like the, the progression of the show. And then we eventually get to, you know, new, new Trek where we do get outwardly and proudly um, queer folks within the show. Um, Excuse me, Mariah, are we going in canon timeline order or are we going in air date order? Mm. Air date order. Okay, I just want to be clear. Um, So I thought we'd start with the original series um, with George Takai and his character of Sulu, which eventually gets confirmed um, as being queer in the Kelvin uh, timeline of things. But and, And I know his character was never actually said on screen to be gay, but I, I read somewhere that George Takai was like, but it's like, I knew that that was the character. And so to me, that makes that character canonically queer. Cause I was like, you're the person who originated the part. Um, he was involved in a lot of discussions with, with Roddenberry. And eventually like, I think Roddenberry had a vision for what would have been some of the characters in nineties Trek prior to his passing and what would have been included at that time frame, But unfortunately that didn't happen um, under his um, leadership. But I appreciated that the show's creator was open to having those conversations and not like automatic dismissal. And I think to me that speaks so much to the core of what Trek is, which is that like listening and learning and changing through experiences right like i i would hope that's what people take away from it but um i i figured we had to just start with with george takai and and, and sulu of course <laughs> i love that they they um confirmed that in the kelvin movies and i think um abrams and the writers uh nick kurtzman was one of the writers of those movies um confirmed that it was a tribute to to k um yeah. to to confirm canonically sulu as gay and uh, I think in the third one, they even show him with a partner and they have a daughter and, you know, very like they show his whole family, which is great. And I, I think I remember George Takei having some issues with that at first. I'm not sure why, but I think he eventually came around and celebrated it himself. Um, also, Takei, Takai, I never really know. Um yeah, I'm sure, you know, it's probably hard to see the character that you created and probably had a vision for how that moment would have happened. And then seeing it not be something that you get to portray, I think, would be a little difficult. Right. Yeah. I thought I thought a little bit of his issue was that he, his understanding was it wasn't uh, at the time uh, a gay character and them retroactively changing it. He's kind of like, well, that's not how I'd I'd played it. But I appreciate the tribute, you know, after the fact. But I didn't get that opportunity when I was playing that character. But I'm not really sure. I just thought that's what I had read. I'm like, sure there are a lot reckoning. of like... <laughs> sometimes because uh, I mean, like, I I 
I feel like it was a great move to um, kind of acknowledge um, Sulu's queerness and be open. I know there are a lot of people that were kind of like, well, you say it now, but <laughs> like, but of course, like back then, you know, they couldn't really express that in the same way, uh, even if Decay himself kind of conceived of the character um, as being gay. It, maybe there wasn't a lot of room to express it. And so I, I know that there are a lot of people that were just um, so happy to see that representation or, or have that confirmed or acknowledged. And then there, or there are also a handful of people that were just like, well, you're just retconning Sulu. And it's like, well, they can do that. <laughs> right. Right. So. They write it. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I thought we should bring up at least a little bit is um, the fan fiction of the original series and how the relationship between Kirk and Spock, like the fandom just went so wild with it. And to this boy, day, did boy, did they like, <laughs> I've seen some incredible illustrations and some fan fiction. Um, Chris and I have a chat going where we send each other TikToks about uh, gay stuff with Star Trek. <laughs> And, yes, we do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, there's some very explicit drawings that we <laughs> we found on TikTok. <laughs> but I, are you going to share them tonight? I, I I don't think I want to get canceled that hard. So if anyone no. would like to see it, I'm happy to share it with you. But you need to tell me that you want to see it first. Um, Join the Patreon. Join our Slack channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I we want can talk to see about them. it. <laughs> we can talk about it there. Um, but yeah, I think it's so great. Like when you. You know, it's like, I mean, fans of all genres and and a lot of big franchises do this, right? It's like, oh, if you're going to just queer code things, we're going to take that and and run with it. And just like, yeah. oh, these two men who do have a very intimate like friendship. And that is, that's totally fine. I just want to say that. I know there's been like a lot of backlash from some actors about how everyone tries to make everyone gay. But I'm just saying, you starve us for so long. We're going to do this until you give us what we want. Right. So, <laughs> can I ask a question well, about that? Yeah. Um, I've maybe read about some uh, negative um, comments from fans about the whole queer coded issue, and I, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that showrunners or writers or shows are trying to bait queer fans but by not explicitly labeling the characters as queer. Um, I, I was just, but I know a lot of people uh, embrace that. So is that, how, how do you guys like walk through that disparity, I guess? Well, for me personally, like there, there is, okay. So for a lot of, especially modern shows, I, I can't think of any like recent examples that like we're big on Twitter, for example. Uh, but there, there are shows where it's like they imply a lot, maybe even in their advertising. Mm -hmm. um, and then they don't really deliver that. They don't deliver what they're implying quite, <laughs> quite heavily. Um, and that's where it's kind of like, I feel like you're trying to take advantage of something here that right. may not be in good faith. But then there's, on the other hand, you have like um, characters like, for example, in Star Trek, um, that, again, implications there, but may or may not be intentional, but that LGBTQ fans lean into 
maybe out of necessity because it fits into uh, a representation of what that they know and it or maybe even fulfills like a fantasy of uh what this character could be if written that way and so the difference in my mind is very pretty clear it's like if they're doing this and not in good faith if the writers are doing this intentionally to kind of uh sell to a particular community with no intention of um like delivering on that kind of not promise but delivering on that idea then you know that kind of feels a little shitty but <laughs> at the same time like i'm gonna find queer characters whether you, whether you want to be there or not like sorry that's right. just how it is yeah and i i think the only time i ever have like you know issue with it um similarly to chris it's like if it's not in good faith to the character right it's yeah. like um I think especially when it is like queer coding villains specifically, which happens a lot um, throughout media is like, Oh, the only person you're going to see in the show who even remotely gives you that sense of like a familiarity to you is then going to be the villain. Um, And it's like, if you're going to make them the villain, just make them like out and proud because we should be all characters. Like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Put a pin in that for doc. What is it? Dr. Chaotica. The, uh, uh, Bride of Chaotica? The, uh, the, the Voyager, like, yeah, uh, Flash oh. Gordon evil character. The Captain, the Captain Proton. <laughs> we'll come back to that later. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it's like, if you're going to do it with a villain, I need them to be like an out and proud villain because then I want like, right. I want a full origin story. I want when they were wronged, like all of that stuff can be tied, like is probably tied to their identity in some way. But so often it's just like, there are traits that tell you this person might be queer or part of the lgbtq community and then we're going to make them a villain um or just make that like anything that's dehumanizing i think that also happens a lot not in i haven't i personally haven't recognized it someone can correct me if i'm wrong for like especially trans characters often get um vilified and are (laughs) not shown in great like Anyway, it's like side character, side 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 characters. If they are a character, and then it always somehow results well, in them dying. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, like looking at like a, especially procedural shows or like Law and Order. Um, so many, yeah. Where it's if trans representation is there, it's almost always like this prostitute who died. Like, it's almost always that, and it's like, come on, <laughs> like we can we can right. do so much better than that. Yeah. So it's like, I, I think the queer coding or queer queer coding to me can be useful if the show is not able to do what it wants to do, because I do understand, especially older shows. I think at this point, you got to just like move forward and tell us a yes or no, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, in this day and age. No but, reason not to, really. <laughs> but like with like original series, I think the reason people saw that possibility of this like very intimate relationship between Spock and Kirk is like, because they did genuinely love each other. And so it's like, if you see that kind of love between two people, you're going to take it to wherever you need to take it to fulfill either a fantasy or to fulfill like what you want to, you wish you could see on screen at that time. Um, So yeah, I I love that fan fiction one exists and and two really does this. Yeah. I think it provides multiple purposes too. Like it provides great examples of different ways to be masculine 
or different ways to have friendships among men where on the surface, it's not romantic. It's very much platonic love. And it's very much a caring and uplifting friendship between the two. But on the other hand, like it's, it's providing this conduit for um, LGBTQ people to look into this and see uh, something more, something deeper that they may not be, they may not get in media otherwise. So it's kind of like, it serves a dual purpose and both are valid and both are good, you know? Yeah, for sure. I don't know if anybody is a fan of the YouTube content creator, Steve Shives. Um, he does a lot of Trek videos and he recently uploaded one. Um, I haven't seen it yet. He does a new, he, uh, a new video every week and they're basically essays about Trek and in culture. But the latest one was called something like, uh, Spock and Kirk. They're gay, right? And he basically just goes into the history of fan shipping in a positive way. Um, in terms of what I've heard him talk about with the video, I haven't seen the video yet, but I'm definitely going to check it out and maybe something everybody should check out. Well, yeah. and fan fiction is like, gosh, it's been such a central part of uh, LGBTQ media forever. I mean, since, it, <laughs> since it's inception, like that's kind of uh, the bread and butter of where you would find um, probably better, not always the best, but better representations or um, I guess headcanons of what um, LGBTQ representation could be in the future or what might have paved the way for what we see now on TV and even in things like Discovery and Picard. So, I mean, like, the relationship between fan fiction, especially as a, like, especially directly related to Star Trek, I mean, um, LGBTQ people flock <laughs> to this almost like out of necessity. They're, they're yearning for more. It's the gay yearning, and there it's real. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I um, wanted to jump into 90s Trek, um, which is sort of, I mean, obviously the next thing on the timeline, but also it's such an interesting like combination of like, of shows like DS9 that I think was doing some interesting work into representation, um, towing the line a little bit. Also though, one of my favorite TikToks, and I will share this one in the, in the general <laughs> Patreon is, um, someone uh, you know the if you're not on tiktok people will ask a question and people will like respond with their own videos so the question was what is something that was made for gay people but was actually made for straight people and what was made for straight people but is actually made for gay people and this trans creator popped in and was like oh transparent was like very much supposed to be about like the trans community but was really made for straight people whereas deep space nine <laughs> Is, yeah. while it was made for straight people is so trans in so many storylines and they end with I looked up how many trans writers there were on the show and apparently there were none I'm just waiting for them to come out <laughs> like, <laughs> Deep Space Nine the most accidental like gayest most trans show yeah. from the 90s beautiful uh, it was definitely the most progressive trek of that era DS9 in, in a enough. lot of ways right but um, it, it wasn't always perfect and it's sometimes like weird, sometimes bad depiction of, of <laughs> LGBTQ themes, but mm -hmm. 
DS9, I remember it being the, the Trek show in the 90s that explored queerness through that alien allegory, uh, like, like with yeah. Jadzia Dax, mm-hmm. who is a trill, who lives as different genders throughout different lifetimes, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. while the allegory wasn't always perfect, and I, I'm sure many folks feel the, the episodes of Dax maybe exploring her sexuality. Some people might feel they failed to be as deep as they maybe should have been. Um, just watching as an ally, I still like to think of Dax as mostly a positive step for representation in Trek. Like her character allowed Trek to air one of the first same sex kisses on TV. That episode rejoined. That's when she Dax has a relationship with another woman in that episode. And I remember that one being presented like that relationship was presented with soul and depth and nuance. It wasn't, uh, um, it was like a lot more nuance that you would find on mainstream TV at that time. I, I love that they were like, Oh, this was a previous relationship when, when, when Dax was in a different, you know, body. Um, But like the idea that the, like, their relationship even across different like gender representation, like that love is still there and those feelings were still there. But then like, ultimately they knew um, because of the rules of, of the trills that they couldn't really be together. And um, which is also just like, feels very canonically queer that like the rules of society tells you, you can't be together. Like, right. come on. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> yep. um, <laughs> and you're just like, damn. Okay. Yeah. Iris Stephen Bear, the creator of the show, or the, the showrunner for most of the show's life, explicitly says that was that was uh, a a queer allegory, and like he he does acknowledge, like in the DS Nine doc, that they should have gone further and deeper with representation in DS Nine, and he actually takes that on. He said, "Sometimes I didn't fight for it because I didn't think I would win, but I should have fought." Um, right, and that was back in the nineties. But well, he also go ahead. Oh, I I was just going to say, like, that specific episode, like, um, first of all, the Trill themselves are, like, Mm -hmm. intrinsically queer because of the nature of how, you know, how symbiotes work and all that. But that episode specifically, like, um, I ultimately, I think it was great. And then also I have these feelings of, like, they went through all these, um, uh, mechanisms to get to why this was okay like well it's okay because you know jadzia's past life uh jadzia uh like it was this host and uh, that was this gender and then uh oh my gosh oh no (laughs) we've lost chris come back there There we go uh so in jadzia's last uh last life a past life you know it's um one gender and then we have uh lenora khan who is this other gender but it's okay back then it was straight and so now it makes sense so i mean like there's these like and i i get it because it you know it's trying to show audiences like hey they're not different Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like you could have just made them lesbian like you could have just (laughs) gone for it you really could like you really could have just done it (laughs) it feels like i mean i get it you know yeah and like the trills to me are like the ultimate real quick (laughs) yeah uh 
Trills, I think, are such a wonderful way for the show to have said, like, hey, fans, like, we might not be able to do all the things you want us to do because of, like, network issues. But here's a way we're going to try to show you some form of representation in both, like, I mean, incredibly so with, like, the trans experience, but then also with, like, a bisexual, pansexual experience in that Mm -hmm. these folks didn't really need to think about the gender of who they were falling in love with because they've had all of these different life experiences. And um, uh, Terry Farrell, who um, played Jaxia Dax, has said on on panels that she always felt Dax was pansexual. Um, So I think that's... Dax was always depicted as such a a sex positive character mm-hmm. and she yeah. was also a brilliant scientist and she was a badass who could like kick Klingon ass. Right. And she could also like rock a very feminine vibe too. And seeing this, like me as a teen, seeing this, this woman character with so much dimension in the nineties who, who I've, you know, I felt even at that time kind of quoted as queer and, and buck stereotypes for me, that was very like, compelling and eye-opening to see that and i don't know just jadzia dax is one of my favorite characters i was gonna say also ira stephen bear in that ds9 documentary he talks about how people come up to him and it's great to hear how you guys felt about that rejoined episode and about dax um because he talks about how he feels they they didn't push it as hard as he wanted to in terms of certain representational aspects, but uh, I have a quote here about that episode. He says, we did something controversial at the time that still to this day, people come up to me and say, thank you. That was the first time I felt like I saw two people just love each other, not because of what their sex was, but just because they really just loved each other. So people tell him that. And I feel like you guys are repeating that. And well, and if you look at, the other characters and how they're reacting in the show. They're not reacting to, they're not reacting at all to um, the fact that it's two women um, loving each other, expressing their love for another. They're reacting to the fact that chill society is saying, you can't do this because you're interacting with people from your past lives. And Mm -hmm. it is very much a metaphor, of course, but at the same time, it's kind of, it's opening the space to say, like, that's not the issue. What you're seeing, what you may have as a viewer may have a problem with is not the issue. And we want to we want to provide that representation there. And, and so in some ways, like, I feel like when he says, when I hear him in that clip, and I've seen it so many times, um, talk about how they could have pushed it further. I feel like maybe they could have done more examples of that in other episodes, but at the same time, like, you don't have to push it further in some ways. Like you, you can let it be what it is because um, like in comparison, maybe we look at uh, discovery. These characters aren't like coming onto the screen, turning to the camera and being like, I'm gay. And it's like, we get it. We know. <laughs> like, and they're not, they're not making that like, I mean, the toothbrush line. scene was basically saying that, but <laughs> But in such a like, just such like, <laughs> like plain domestic way, right? That's what was great yeah, about that yeah. scene. Uh, with flaws, great. It's a good representation, and it's flawed and and realistic ways and ways that aren't like, um, I don't know, tropes that are negative against queer people. 
Yeah. Since we're talking about Dax real quick, Mariah, I'm going to bring up a few comments here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chupi says the great thing about Rejoined is it was a complex story, complex relationship story, not this is about this. Yeah. And Laurie Moe says, uh, I love that episode. It was one of the first ones that showed someone like me on television. It came out in 1986. I think it was 96. Oh, no. Um, Lori came out in 86. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. I came out in 1986. So it was cool to see a complex story and not just stereotypes. Thanks, Lori. Yeah, that's great. And I think, too, I saw, you know, that same TikTok person was like about you know, the trills are that representation, but then also like you have the shapeshifters who um, can yes. kind of transform into whomever they want and they're both he- heroes and villains. And that's what makes like that coding, I think to me feel justified in a way because you are showing that there's like complexities to all human beings, no matter like gender representation or, um, or sexuality. And, and to this day, I still think the moment where Jadzia, um, is hugging her old Klingon friend is like yeah. the best way to show someone how to react when someone yes. tells you they've changed their name or their pronouns or their gender identity or anything. And it's just like, Curzon, my beloved old friend. I'm Jadzia yeah. now. Jadzia, my beloved old friend. And that's like it's, literally the best. <laughs> that's amazing, right? And gosh, they did that on accident. They didn't I even know. know they were doing it. Isn't that like, uh, I love humans sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that a, a, a ton of Star Trek fans claim uh, a ton of queer Star Trek fans claim Kira from DS9 um, I mean, and I'm not going to argue with that at all she was <laughs> she was another another woman character who had a lot of depth and complexity on the show but she was also like very stern a strong soldier a terrorist some might say and she had this like severe short haircut but her femininity was like never suppressed and she just rocked it she was played by the amazing Nana Visitor. How do you guys feel about Kira? Kira's I mean, I think yeah, I like I love the character, and I also think it's like again that kind of that demonstration of like the spectrum of gender, right? Which is nice to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, when you talk about like LGBTQ ideas, concepts, part of that is also. how you express gender, even if you don't necessarily find yourself to be gay or trans or bi, like that's part of the conversation too. Um, Like there's so much to be said for like making space for um, cisgender straight men to be able to explore a wide variety of what it is to be a man And, and wide variety, meaning whatever you want it to be. And so, like, when you see, uh, uh, kind of like we were talking about earlier with Voyager, but specifically Kira as an example of a, um, what probably at the time people might describe her as headstrong, tomboyish, whatever you want to call it. Like, that. that's an example of um, a strong woman character. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it it's in very much contrast to what we'd see on, for example, even um, even the strong uh, women characters of TNG. Like this is a very uh, on the front lines kind of personality. Um, and apart from her just being like a bisexual icon, in my opinion, 
uh, <laughs> like I, I think um, her presence on that show was wonderful because not only like did you see that strong personality, but you got to see her grow over time and adapt. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, yeah, all those characters got to grow. Yeah, I thought and this is um, now about why I love DS9. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know, I feel like uh, we should have made Grant watch some DS9 prior to, to tonight's episode, but uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, we didn't mention Garrick from DS9. Oh, god, oh man, completely coded yeah. as queer. <laughs> even I picked up I, and Andrew Robinson, the actor who plays him in the DS9 doc, says from day one. I played it. I played him as a gay man who was attracted to Bashir, not uh, not in in a creepy way, but just in like here's a one beautiful, intelligent man. I'm going to play it that way, and he played it that way throughout the entire entire run of the series, and to the point that Iris Stephen Bear started writing him coded as queer and wanted to to confirm that, but apparently the the rumor is that good old Reg Berman from who ran Trek back in the '90s didn't allow it. Uh, but that's a rumor. Um, <laughs> basically, Iris Stephen Bear just says they they didn't let me do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's such a shame, um, especially now because you know I, I'm just saying some of my bougiest friends who can spend a lot of money on stuff are are my queer folks, so they they lost out on some dollars. <laughs> okay, but like even now, I, what is his name? Who plays Bashir? Um, oh, Andrew Siddiq. Yeah. yeah. Um, he and uh, Andrew Robinson have been, he does this um, program on YouTube where they uh, reenact uh, fan fiction. Right. Uh, and it did on screen and they've had other actors come in, but they've basically <laughs> kind of created this post DS9 um, actor canon that, um, Bashir and um, Garrick were in a relationship together. If brief, you know, and they've they leaned into that. They've had, uh, I think, they've had Nama uh, Vizier on it, and she's kind of been interactive with that. And so, like, the actors are aware of this, you know, like, and they lean into it and they support it. So, oh, Garrick, what a wonderful gay character! <laughs> Love Garrick. Uh, hey, Grant. Marge says you at least have to watch Rejoined from DS9. What's the episode where they all go to, to Risa or Risa? Oh, yeah. Um, the one with like Worf and the one with Vanessa Olivia. Williams cast the uh-huh. first stone or he who yes. is without sin. Yeah. That's it. Anyway, that's another one that that's in my queer canon of DS9. I right. have a lot in my yep. queue. <laughs> we'll make it work. A lot yeah, of I'll, lot I'll of make a little you guys watch this. Just watch <laughs> it on Netflix and watch it like at one point five speed, and you'll get through faster. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best recommendation for Grant in terms of watching old trick. Yeah, do that. I love when yep. they all sound like chipmunks. It works for me. It's great. Um, I mean, we can talk a little bit about um, you know TNG and Voyager. I will say, I I think there isn't as there's no outwardly like. I think of characters until now we, we now know that um, uh, seven of nine is into whomever, which to me makes sense because seven of nine 
almost at the beginning seems like an asexual character and then like has to sort of like learn what human sexuality is, what dating is. And unfortunately the doctor's just like heterosexuality for you. And like, I was like, Oh, also date me. (laughs) Yeah. Which is interesting. Picard writers really came in and said, women loving women rights. Like, Oh, I was so excited when I, I found out she was coming back. Like in the previews, and I was just like, "Come, let's get to that episode." I don't have that much time. We get there, and then at the oh my gosh, at the end, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, okay, I guess I am watching this. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Which I'll be back for season two. Yeah, I'll be back for season two. But also, I think it's interesting with with Seven of Nine is like if you know thinking about the Borg, which aren't like that we've seen any sort of like sexual have any sort of sexuality to them, like um, alien species, but they, um, you know, a lot of them were transformed prior. Right. So like what were, what was their sexuality prior to being assimilated? But then there's also the concept of like their ruler is a queen. And so it's like, they are essentially all just serving at the hand of this like femme presenting character. Right. Like they call her a queen. (laughs) Yeah, which is interesting to me. <laughs> so, someone in um, in the chat, I don't want to throw us off, but they were mentioning the TNG episode, The Outcast. Oh and yeah, I knew it was this coming. Is, uh... <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And yeah, why don't you guys talk about this? Because I remember oh. uh, watching it and finding it interesting when I was a kid, but then. Um, reevaluating it as an adult or trying to reading about it, finding it somewhat problematic, but also like good try. I don't know. I mean, Kathleen really sums it up with the, Oh God, the outcast they tried bless their hearts, which yeah, is like, they really thought they did something there. And yeah. you know, <laughs> um, they really, can, can, really thought they were doing something with that. I um, have not watched it in a very long time. I only remember my emotional reaction to it, but yeah. I, can, I can try to find like a, this is when uh, I, have I believe Riker, recently. Yeah, Riker yeah. Falls, mm-hmm. falls in love with a, a member of a species that is does not com- have a gender conformed genderless. Yeah. But the um, the character that he falls in love with or has a relationship with wants to confirm themselves as feminine. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then at the end, um, it's a sad ending because uh, she uh, or. The character does not, that right is taken away from them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, Oh man, there are a lot of sins in that episode, in my opinion, but I mean, like, I don't think it, I absolutely do not think it was ever in bad faith, which is why I feel like it's worth watching, you know, even if sometimes I'll rewatch it. Sometimes I won't because it's just, you know, Um, but I think uh, they really thought they were doing something there, but then you have things like uh, it's an agender character um, and, and, or an agender society even. Mm-hmm. And so they lean into androgyny mm-hmm. and Oh my God, if we could stop writing androgynous characters that are expressed as being just drab. <laughs> yeah. And it's also, like, I mean, There's like, you know, the conversations right now that I have seen from my friends who, you know, are on various aspects of the gender spectrum. It's like, 
if you don't, if you're non-binary, like folks don't owe you androgyny, like the way that you outwardly present has nothing to really do with what your like actual, what your personal gender is. Um, And and because I think part of that is like, there is still this mental thing of like, well, non-binary is in the middle, right? Right. When it's, it's like it, it, it is literally actually, like you can be here or here or over here or over there. Yeah, it's <laughs> like non-binary literally means like it's not two. Yeah. <laughs> outside of the two. Um <laughs> the two that you're thinking about, not not me. Um so it's just kind of like, okay, well, um you have this idea or like yeah, we have this idea of um non-binary being somewhere in the middle or being androgynous or like uh, and it doesn't have to be any of those things. Like maybe for some people, that's what it is, but mm-hmm. maybe for some people, many people, it's not at all like that. And it can look like something different. It can look like feminine or masculine or something else entirely. That's, you know, self-concepted or self-conceived, but, um, I mean, to yeah, me the most, no. My main takeaway from the episode is really that Riker is canonically pansexual <laughs> because well, that, is, that, that, that is the alone. better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he pretty much makes love to every chair he sits in. I, my gay agenda is making sure at the end of the day, all characters are gay in some way. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's, that's my hope and dream. Um, but one could hope. But Riker's yeah, it's, pansexual it's is strong. Yeah, because that I I'll have to go back and rewatch it to like really be able to to put like thoughtful concepts into this. But I could see how like the concept of a society that does not have gender expression would be an interesting like as a writer would be very interesting to go down that rabbit hole. But at yeah. the same time, it's like, oh well, how sad that then the person who finally is the outlier, right? Like that is the queer character of that society, right? Like they are now the person who is different from the rest of them. And it's, it's so unfortunate that it ends in like tragedy rather than like, Oh, let's now explore what it would be like to have multiple. Well, it ends in tragedy. Yeah. It ends in tragedy. Like that is a fascinating concept to look at, but yes, it ends in tragedy. And then also the, the overarching attitude among the crew towards that is even if it's not explicitly it's very much like there in subtext that it's just like we pity you for yeah. having dinner right that's and it's like that that's not part of it either like that's not part of the answer in my opinion either so it's just there's a lot of things in the episode that i have, I have Mar- about marge in the <laughs> chat says the episode is likely about conversion therapy Yes, and for that reason, a lot of people don't enjoy watching it. (laughs) Um, It may be a valid episode, but yeah. Yeah, there's no reason to put yourself through trauma. You don't need to experience it. Um, But since we're almost an hour in, and we haven't yet talked about the gayest trek of all, (laughs) we have to start talking about Discovery, if only to also get Grant to be able to talk about something of this episode. (laughs) It's cool. I'm enjoying the conversation, even though I'm just kind of lurking here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just kind of like butting in. I'm, I'm loving listening to you guys. <laughs> but um, but 
But yeah, I mean, I think a discovery is like that kind of future you want to see, right? Where there is like a variety of the community even represented on the show, right? Like we have different gender expressions, we have different sexualities. Um, and, and then also like we get various kinds of characters, right? These are complicated, yeah. real full figured characters. We get everything from like the more lighthearted, like comic relief in Jet Reno to these like very deep concepts of identity with Adira and Gray. Um, and I think um, someone had mentioned in the comments earlier, and I wanted to save it for now about Giorgio. Um, and like, I guess there is con controversy around Giorgio. I didn't really know that there was one. To me, it makes sense that Giorgio would be like a bisexual pansexual person. I think to me, anyway. part of the controversy there. Right. Um, and the uh, comment was from Chupi. Can you talk okay. about the controversy over Giorgio? Does it only exist because some people think she's a villain and others that she's a product of her universe and more complex than just quote unquote villain? There is I mean, a I history of the, uh, the the mirror universe having like the canonically like villainous bisexual. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's worth pointing to and looking at. I personally love a bisexual villain, but, but you know, that's my own per preference. And I don't think that there shouldn't be criticism against that. Yeah. It is interesting that that is sort of uh, a repeated pattern that folks from the, um, from the Mirrorverse are somehow canonically more queer. But I think we also just went through all of these other, I, I feel like discovery can do it more than any of the other shows could. If that makes yeah. sense, I mean, yeah. what I what I took from it, you know, not being as familiar with how how they play up the mirror verse is that Giorgio is just a person very confident and in control of of who they are sexually, and and she is is very comfortable with that that exploration and embracing of it, and it it felt like a powerful representation for me of someone who's, who's pansexual. Yeah. And it's also, and I hope we get to see more folks who are not in the mirror universe also express some uh, identifiers within the kink community because she is so far the only character that has <laughs> outwardly expressed, um, you know, that she enjoys uh, some sort of, perhaps impact play or pain play in some way, shape or form. So um, not that we need to know about everyone's sex lives oh, on a TV no, show, but, but you know, let someone leave some handcuffs somewhere, more somewhere, somewhere or just more Giorgio. Um, Chupi has an interesting comment. She says, I saw a lot of LGBTQ community saw it as a trope of her queer sexuality because she's a villain, but I don't see her as a villain. I think that was a lot of the growth of her character, though, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she right. initially was right, a villain yeah. who was subsequently brought in reluctantly. Um, and they, they, the they had her evolve, uh, who her character was. And I, I, I don't recall us seeing those other kind of, of facets of her until we also, as, um, as a viewing audience, were embracing her as, as more of a complex character than simply a, a villain, right? We yeah. don't see queer Giorgio until we see mirror Giorgio. And I think that, that, that should be on some level, you know, like, yeah, you know, we can look into that and see, well, why is that? Because like I said before, like we, we do have a history with Trek 
taking the um, mirror characters and making them queer in, in conjunction of them being the bad guys. So, you know, I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of um, criticism to be to be valid levy. Valid. Yeah, 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 there's valid criticism there. So, like, um, I think it's worth looking into that, but at the same time, like, and specifically with Bordeaux, like, I, I feel like maybe um, Prime Giorgio was queer in some way, and we just didn't get to that. You know, maybe yeah. maybe it is a valid, you know. Yeah, she could have been. We didn't spend much time with her at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, but I do understand the criticism totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. I think, like you said, Chris, I personally love a, a chaotic bisexual villain, um, yeah. <laughs> especially when there's equal representation of like the good guys on the other side. But I do think right. it's like a valid criticism of the, you know, of the Trek canon, right? Well, I just wanted to point out real quick so far with Discovery and Picard, we have um, representations with all the letters of the, the five letters LGBTQ. You know, um, like we have gay characters, we have, um, I presume, bi character with seven. We don't really get a confirmation there. Mm-hmm. Trans, non-binary, um, and they're not doing this in a like. It's not like a front-loaded like, hey, we're doing this to get like check all the boxes. It uh, it very much feels like natural characters that you would encounter in the world. I do have one friend who felt um, had a little bit of criticism in the disco episode in which Adira and Gray are, are introduced and we get to know about their relationship uh, because that episode and story was rooted in so much trauma mm-hmm. and it, it was difficult for her to watch. But yeah. um, I'm just wondering how you guys felt about that. I know we talked about, uh, it's difficult to watch that old TNG episode sometimes because of the trauma inherent in it. Well, I feel like in this instance, it, it's about overcoming trauma. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, I don't think it's there to like trauma for trauma's sake. It's not like make the person suffer for the sake of making them suffer for the sake of ending the story some way. Um, so, you know, personally, I, I don't mind it. And I, I thought it was a beautiful episode. Um, but again, like, I completely understand that criticism because, you know, everybody is going through their own stuff and they have their own life and their own past with trauma. And um, they're totally allowed to not want to have to, have to, like, trudge through that to get to the other side of that. You know, they don't have to deal with that in that way. I think, you know, what Chris said really wraps up a lot of my feelings to it as well as like, I, I did personally enjoy the episode, but I did like that thought creeped into my mind of like, oh, of course, like we have to kill one of our queers in order for them to exist in this universe, which, that uh, was again, a thing. <laughs> which was, I thought we learned that lesson uh, with Colbert, yeah. but, um <laughs> That is one criticism that I will levy against. <laughs> but it there, is... But. But it is right. like a complicated drama series, and like I think they've yeah. 
tried to really redeem themselves and to the fact that these are like fully rounded, realized characters. This isn't like an episode of the week where we're going to just like kill our queers each week, you know, like we get to see them evolve and like have real lives. Um, But again, like, I think it is a valid criticism. Um, I, I hope, I know that they do so much work behind the scenes to like really embrace the, the LGBTQIA community um, with like, how they're trying to get more folks, I think, behind, because that's a big thing, too, in the industry is not only do you need representation in front of the camera, but also behind the camera, because that is, yeah. like, where you get more accurate storytelling. It is fascinating to me that they they essentially did this twice, because <laughs> the, the first time they did it with, with Colbert, it, it seemed like, you know, they got called out for it, and it did not seem like they had a a natural progression of how they were going to have him die and then reintegrate. They did a little bit of um, ridiculous. Uh, let's have him come back from a mycelial network uh, cocoon or whatever they did, which he's made of mushrooms. Now that was, there's no way that was part of their original plan. They, they thought we'll have emotional payoff from the weight of killing this character that will give resonance to, to Stamets's character's growth. And then so they went, oh, we need to bring him back. That was probably a mistake. At least that's how it seems to play out for me. But at least with with the uh, Adira and Grace storyline, it feels much more like the death had the um, the scope of where they wanted to go with that storyline um, a little bit more baked in. And it was like, we're going to have Gray die, but Gray will still be around. Um, and, and present for a while until until we can reach uh, a natural flow of reintegration. I certainly don't yeah. speak for the whole community in saying this, but like I I personally feel like I am okay with the writers making mistakes and how they approach these storylines and plot lines and how it may come off. Like when they first brought on this gay couple character i'm like uh, characters i'm like oh my god like great and then <laughs> Culver dies i'm like what <laughs> what did you do and then the same thing um with uh adira and gray it's i'm i personally am making space for them to mess up here and there as long as i know it's in good faith and i do i feel like i feel like i know that on, on uh, the most basic level it is in good faith they're not trying to do this like or trying to follow these tropes or anything like that i think they're stumbling into them maybe very hard but <laughs> you know i i do see it as like they're they're putting this in good faith so i i will kind of like make space for it make space for that mistake if it, is it, is, it is it is probably good to note that the showrunner behind disco during the well when we were introduced to adira and gray is michelle paradise who is like you were saying mariah it's important to have representation behind the camera and she definitely depicts that there's a conversation in the chat going on about detmer Mm. uh chippy says i'm pretty sure detmer is bi i mean i uh i I do want to say that the actor who plays Detmer, Emily Couts, plays mm-hmm. a queer character in um, uh, Clarice. Yeah, and she uh, um, she is part of the community. I don't know exactly how she identifies, but um, she is a part of the 
the community um, in in real life. Um, so I'm sure that that just might come through on screen. Also, the undercut, like the undercut of the hair is just like the signaling alone. <laughs> and like that, whoa, come on. <laughs> yes, that is our fan fiction. <laughs> I need I need a supercut of every time they look at each other, like from across the bridge. I need that. <laughs> I need it in my life. Yes, exactly. Don't oh worry, yes. Together. We, we, we get this uh, comment from Kern. I, I give them some slack over Colbert's death, considering how chaotic things were in season one with the revolving showrunners. And yeah, yeah. I I do think there's something. I gave them a lot said. of slack for a lot of different things for that reason. <laughs> there, yeah, like four different showrunners in four years. Yeah. There's quite <laughs> yeah. a difference between what, what we see uh, tonally going on with uh, season one and season two. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, repair and adjustment, I would say, that goes on in season two from what Fuller did with season one. Which I I, I enjoyed season one for how, how dark and heavy things were, but... Um, oh, don't blame Fuller. He was fired before the first episode. Was he really? You know, I thought he had mapped out a lot of it. N- not really. They, they took some of his concepts, but it's debatable how much he was, wow. you know, how much of his blueprint they ran with. Well, Something real quick I just thought of um, with the introduction of Adir specifically um, I noticed like in the fandom because there was a lot of press about Adira being non-binary before the show ran um, there is a lot of confusion about what pronouns to use at, to, at the, the first few episodes um, before the character of Adira came out and there's kind of fandom sides saying like no like uh, Adira's not out yet and use she her pronouns and then their fans are saying no like we know that Adira is non-binary like use they them and so I feel like this is a kind of an example of the show providing people a little space to kind of slip oh, up yeah. or like try to navigate how to approach that and um, ultimately the lesson being like take people for their word, you know, mm-hmm. like if, if they say they're this, they're that, follow that. Yeah. Um, and if you slip up, that's fine. Correct yourself and move on, you know? Um, so I, I thought it's kind of an interesting like parallel of like, this is providing a real world example of people trying to figure this out. Um, but in a safe way, because Adira is not the act, uh, the actor is a real person, but Adira mm-hmm. is a character that's fictional and, you know, like cannot be intrinsically harmed by misgendering. So we can kind right. of I, I mean we certainly we certainly ran into that here on, sure. on how we were trying to navigate um trying to uh, r- respectfully discuss and and properly um pronoun the character. And so right. um figuring out like as we're discussing with the storyline as it's progressing before we get to that point we're like you know I I found it. I find that those conversations, when I mess up and I'm informed about it, those are always so much more helpful for me. I like I I realize how I I I can be better about how I'm articulating myself. Yeah, Yeah. and I want to thank everyone who listens to this podcast, especially those who are vocal and in the Slack for when we do make mistakes like that. We're in a space where we can be educated and then we can talk about it and have that discussion and move on um just better more informed people yeah 
And it's so yeah. nice to just be like, I don't know. I, I've been, I personally think it's better when you, when someone corrects you to say like, thank you, because you're uh, like, it is so nice that right. that person and feels comfortable enough to correct you. Right. That means your relationship yeah. is strong rather than being like, oh, I'm sorry, because it's like, there's no blame. It's just like, oh, thank you for informing me of my mistake. And like, we can yeah. just move forward with the correct word usage. Um, or saying like, I'm sorry. It's like, you're not, you don't want to necessarily have to put that person in the position of saying, no, it's fine. Like, maybe it's not. <laughs> yeah. I just learned this. I'm pretty sure I'll say yeah. sorry about everything. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean uh, it's a I'll natural response. Um, you know, it's and I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> yeah, just be like, thank you. I, yeah, you know, incorrect and move on. Um, Thanks for that tip. You're welcome. <laughs> hot, hot gay tip. Hot, hot gay tip. Um, yeah, I wanted to read. So we asked a couple of our patrons for their thoughts about Pride and Trek. Um, and so this is from Home Chicky. Um, they said, for the Pride pod, nice alliteration. Um, they, uh, My partner and I have been together since 1998. And we have an 18-year-old daughter who grew up in gay culture, but now dates cis hetero men, but gathers all the LGBTQ people around her. Um Home Chicky says, I identify as bi, but not poly. And so many people assume you can't be one without the other. That is very true. Um, recently, I have changed my label for uh, lack of a better word to pansexual, because if I were single, I would date a person based on their personhood rather than their gender. Um, and if they're not cisgender, I use bi and pan interchangeably, just me personally. But um, yeah. uh, Home Chicky uh, <laughs> continues, however, for the most part, I don't date since I'm married, lol. <laughs> And then continues to say, I think Ronald Moore was too conservative about um, LGBTQ issues in the 90s. TOS took on controversial issues in the 60s, but TNG, et cetera, only danced around LGBTQ issues. Of course, you all already know the examples um, and gave some thoughts about some some stuff we had already sort of talked about. Um, but yeah, I'm so glad. Thank you for sharing, Home Chicky. And yeah. Uh, by panic and by erasure is very real. <laughs> <laughs> Just because hey, uh, I like all genders doesn't mean I date everybody at the same time. Also, there's no shame in that either. If that is what you've arranged with your person. <laughs> also, Thank you. like, uh, uh, was it being conservative about gayness in the nineties, considering all the shows in the nineties were so gay. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the representation, we were, we were really digging, like we were, I mean, I watched the L word for better or for worse, you know, because <laughs> you're just grabbing at straws for time. finding yourself. <laughs> oh, the dark times. Um, Queer as fog. And, uh, but Noah's Ark, Noah's Ark is a sleeper. I, I really want to revisit Noah's Ark. But, I mean, um, Frasier, Frasier was a pretty gay show too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Carmen has a real quick question. Pod, what are your thoughts on Lower Decks? Uh, for me, I feel um, there was uh, that episode where Boimler has a girlfriend, not girlfriend. And it felt like Mariner was vibing with a girlfriend a lot more. Um, so I don't know. What are your thoughts on Lower Decks, guys? I mean, we I haven't had anyone like come out as yeah. of yet. But I'm like... No, I was going to say, I can't remember like a very explicit example of LGBTQ-ness. I almost feel like Rutherford would be like the big teddy bear pansexual, bisexual, pansexual person, but that's just, that's just me. But I don't know. Who is the yeah, we'll security officer? Oh, uh, Jax. With a J. <laughs> Not Dax. 
<laughs> Gay rights. Q. Maybe that Q character. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, Q. Q and Picard. Yeah. yeah. Q and Picard. They're yeah. into each other. They they really have a, a relationship longer than most marriages. So. <laughs> yeah. What, 40 I'm years? I'm calling it Picard season two. It's We're going to see it. I mean, Sir uh, Sir Patrick Stewart's like BFF is Sir Ian McKellen, so maybe it's just like he's like been in his ear, being like, "Hey, I know what yeah. the fans want to see. <laughs> yeah. I got this for you." He's like, "Trust me, they do it with Lord of the Rings all the time. This all is what they want." The time. <laughs> um, well, did y'all have anything else you wanted to to talk about? We've we've gone over our our normal time slot here. I, I just want to thank. I want to thank Chris for coming on and having this conversation with us. You, thank y'all you answered the call and, and it was, it was great having you on. I hope we have you back. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I know this is part of the outro, but I do want to say I am a subscriber to the Patreon and I cannot recommend it enough. It is two bucks an episode. You get to have all this extra content. We have a wonderful Slack channel. Uh, we have an amazing community of uh, people, Star Trek fans. Uh, we watch Star Trek episodes like almost every night. It's great. Uh, join us, subscribe, pay money to these great people. They deserve it. <laughs> Do it. Say it. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we can skip that part of the outro. Um, yeah. <laughs> Mariah, I want to thank you for leading this discussion too. Oh, thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. This was really nice. Um, I will always talk about um, queer queer things anytime, day or night. I'm ready for it, um, especially when it comes to entertainment and especially in Trek. Um, so thanks for for being open to us having a Pride episode. Um, thanks, Chris, for, for joining. It was really nice to be able to talk to you outside of our Slack uh, discussions and TikTok shares <laughs> uh, and see your face. It was really lovely. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it for us for this evening. We'll be back next Thursday. I'm going to come up with a Voyager Q episode for, for Grant to watch so that we can continue our Q discussions as well as make Grant watch some Voyager. Win-win for everybody. Yeah, most people. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I do want to say, I think the uh, the Voyager episode that we're talking about with Q where they have a, a civil war in the Q continuum, Great I think one. is a two-parter. So. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You watch it on your own again, one and a half speed on Netflix. <laughs> no, we have Death Wish for Chupi. Well, no, uh, honestly, we can watch Death Wish. Honestly, don't watch it at one and a half speed because you got to get all those like long pauses between Picard or not Picard uh, between uh, Janeway and Q. Yeah, gotta get the tension. Mm-hmm. It's part of it. Gotta have the tension. I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Um, do one of y'all want to tell folks how they can follow us on the internets? Yes. Um, you can follow us at star Trek pod.co. You can go there and, uh, you can subscribe to us on all of the platforms that we're on. You can, of course, uh, you know, y- you guys know the thing. You know, I mean, at this point, you don't need us reminding you to hit subscribe. If you haven't done it yet, you ain't going to do it. If you haven't hit Sub that like the button, YouTube channel. We need, we need more subs on the YouTube channel, but, uh, we also are over on, um, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Shout out to James Worm over on Instagram and and Karen, who's running our uh, socials on Twitter. Uh, they do a fantastic job, and you know we, we would love to have you guys uh, support them as well and and go give that a follow. And uh, as always, we appreciate you. Thank you for joining us this week. 
Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for hanging. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Long and prosper. <laughs> and be gay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>